Radio presents the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Kroll. Hello and welcome everyone. You're listening to the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Each week we gather right here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. I have a feeling today we are going, this is going to be so fun. I am like so inspired after reading this book. So have you, have you ever imagined what it really means that love heals and has power? Well, what happens when we live all of our emotions, our thoughts, and our body feelings as love, as opposed to a separate self searching for that love? And what happens when we accept and surrender into everything that presents, including our pain and suffering? Our guest today suggests that in learning this power, we are free to give to others without any need or fear. He describes this as love and that love, pure heart consciousness, has the power to transform your life and the world. I invite you to take a few deep breaths, bring your awareness into this moment, open your mind and heart, and settle into your essential wholeness as I introduce our guest. Robert Williams is the co-founder of 108 Inc., a Portland-based innovative technology company. He is the inventor and developer of quantum code technology. Robert's research has provided scientific breakthroughs in field-based technologies, consciousness, and human potential. After a near-death experience in 1979, Robert devoted all of his time and energy toward researching consciousness and subtle energy, along with conventional physics and medicine. His research was published in the Journal of Alternative and Complementary Medicine and the journal Subtle Energies and Energy Medicine. And now he is the author of a beautiful book, Love is the Power. I've got it right here in my hand and I have to tell you, it was so fun reading it. Welcome, Robert. Thank you very much, Dr. Julie. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Oh, well, it's a pleasure to have you here. And we share so many common life experiences. So I was just reading through this and highlighting different different things. And there's absolutely no way I can I can even begin to have the conversation with you with with everything that's highlighted in your book. But I'm going to start with my traditional question. And I know that this could be an hour long show just having you respond to this traditional question. But I like to ground our conversation in a bigger perspective. So I would love to hear what you have to say if you'd share with our listeners. What does all things connected mean to you? I love that question. And I loved listening to your previous guests. Um, All things connected. What does it mean? Where I begin when I wake up from deep sleep is to notice that uh, for a few seconds, there is no I. There is no I am Robert Williams living my life. There is this space, this awareness. And then... All the other layers of myness, the Robertness, quickly come 
swimming back to me. And, mm. and now I am Robert Williams. I'm not just this space. I'm not just an awareness. I have memories and a body and so forth. All things connected is, in my case, and with all of our own individual sense of I-ness, it's to cross that bridge, to, to uh, cross the illusionary bridge between this individual identity and that which is one thing happening with many individual identities. And there's a, as your listeners, I'm sure, are aware, that's the key because we, we can talk about oneness all we want. We can, we can even have experiences that we do commentary on. The connectivity, the reality, the power of the connectivity is in our own self to begin with, our own, my own sense of Robert Williams and this space, this infinite space. How do I connect with that? Just by loving, just by allowing that which is pure awareness to recognize itself. And that is the oneness, that is the connectivity. That awareness, your awareness, my awareness, or recognizes itself is one with everything else. It is connected all the time. And then we go back into our lives and we kind of remember and things, you know, we go shifting back and forth. But all things connected, again, is such a beautiful concept, is, is a reality when awareness is simply there and then the thoughts and the emotions and our physical natures are uh, at first uh, appreciated and witnessed and, and we are involved with them. Then a very, very magical thing happens, Dr. Julie, and I know I'm skipping ahead, but uh, the field, like you say, the field is leading me there. Then a very magical thing or a very beautiful thing happens is that that very same awareness, that infinite, pure, simple state of awareness begins to show up in all the different parts. We begin to feel that the other person is fundamentally the same as we are, or fundamentally not outside of ourselves. And this is a paradox where words can only go so far because that other person has a different body and speaks differently and has different likes and dislikes. So we're not saying we all become the same individual. We all enjoy our differences, but that same awareness, that pure awareness, I gave the example of when we first wake up, just that, you know, or like a child, a two or three year old child before they add all the different thoughts around them that shows up in the other it begins to resonate with others you could say and the resonance is an empowerment of our collective potential our collective consciousness and our own individual awareness feels that energy of all of us and that is where we can begin to effortlessly 
unify these parts within ourselves because we have now this understanding, this recognition of, you could say, the space between the words, the gaps between our distances, and the, uh, the mind's projection of, and sometimes insistence, that we are separate. Those begin to automatically function in a new light. And I believe that's why you, you're doing what you're doing and all of us are doing what we're doing, uh, motivated by that reality. And there's a certain, certain kind of uh, opportunity that we're now living in this day and age. Oh, beautiful. Robert, there's there's so much right here. And, and I, I really would love to just kind of stay in this conversation for just a minute, because what we're talking about here is, um, I think, so important to humanity. I know you believe it's important to humanity. This is why you're here and, and you know, part of your um DNA of who you are is is to help humanity understand this power that we're talking about. But you're talking about stabilizing this pure awareness, this consciousness, um, in a way that is in our ordinary being, in that individual self, which is, and I'm kind of stumbling for words here, but a lot of teachers really point toward ascending that normalness, that ordinary state of our being, our, our body, our experience, our emotion. And you very eloquently point us toward that acceptance. And you just give example after example in the book of really being in the thought and the feeling and the emotion and staying with it, which then, like you were just saying, it it empowers this um, pure awareness to come through in every experience. Do you want? Can you say more about that? Because I think one of one of our listeners' biggest questions is, how do we stabilize this consciousness? on the planet now? How do we fully embody it, fully bring it in and, and express it in a way that we never have of, of coming through the heart and, and this consciousness you're talking about? Beautiful. Well, there's, there's fundamentally two ways. One is an automatic phase transition that is in process that all humans no matter what their beliefs are being affected by. And that we can come back to because that is something that uh, really doesn't need uh, our, our participation. It's very fascinating. But the other part, which is even, I believe, more relevant to this time of earth than anything else, and that is our, our participation. So there's the paradox one requires nothing the other actually invites our own participation with the stability of uh this new consciousness that humans are automatically growing into because of the first thing that's happening automatically so i hope i didn't make that too complicated but this the, our own participation is a function of i think the greatest gift 
given to us, which is our free will, which is our ability to choose where our attention goes from moment to moment. So let's just, just stop there for a second. There are, um, <clears throat> there are times when I can't control my attention or I can't offer my attention with consciousness. And that's okay. We're on this bridge of between paradigms. So the times where I can't offer my openness in consciousness when I'm living is generally when I'm overcome by fear. And there are certain instances where that fear or that reptilian or maybe uh, that primal force, for instance, I, I'm a father and I have a 12 year old daughter. And uh, about a month ago, I was picking her up from school and somebody was chasing, I won't go into the detail, it wasn't that bad, but. But uh, I, for that moment, saw that my daughter or felt that my daughter was in danger. So you should see this guy. I'm 63, 64 years old, and I'm running because I, this, this boy was chasing her outside of the, the, uh, the, the playground where I could see. And it, you know, I didn't know what, why he was chasing her, and, and it was too far away. So I sped out there like a, a racehorse. <laughs> to protect my daughter and turns out it was just playful everything was okay but for that f maybe one minute there was not a complete presence of consciousness because i was in my fight flight response and we do have moments like that we do require that function in our nervous system when there's real danger or somebody uh, we love and so forth. I think I think your audience will really understand this. But then, okay, I see that my daughter's fine. She's laughing. The friend, the, the boy with her was a friend. Nothing, you know. They just happen to forget that there's a limit to the playground. So then, I can offer my full awareness. I was able to give love to the to my daughter and the friend with my presence. How did I do that? Well, I practice. It's a moment by moment. As soon as I re, as soon as I become aware that there is no danger to myself or my daughter, ah, it then then my presence is available to me. When I was in mid run, I I couldn't do that. But after I was satisfied, the presence was available. Now this is our choice. This is leading back to our free will. What mass consciousness is projecting in the field of thought and in the field of belief forms is stay in that fight or flight because you never know who's going to grab you from behind or something. It is, it is a, a real phenomenon that we are challenged with. It was, it was, difficult to to come back to my presence and to come back to my open aware consciousness because the mass conscious vibrations you could say is not living like that all the time and mm -hmm. as a mass entity very very seldom so it takes my practice my commitment to oh now i you know i who am i you might even say what am I thinking? What am I feeling? 
then the presence shows up. I can offer that mm-hmm. event. I can offer the thoughts and the emotions, <clears throat> my presence. And then that regains its um, reality in my heart, literally in my heart chakra. That's the chakra that can contain both complete infinity and complete temporal moment by moment things that happen and go away, happen and go away, mortality, you could say. So the heart has the ability and the, and its role is to hold those both and become the governor of both of those, as opposed to the age we've come from, which was governed by other chakras and other uh, repressed um, functioning nervous systems within our own collective uh, to to uh, capitalize on uh, life in a in a more self-centered way, so it it is a practice, and that's why your show that's what these these movements are so important because it helps us remember. And then when we re, when we're, we get the hang of it, it happens all the time. I am I'm not asking myself all the time who am I, what am I thinking, but I've practiced enough to know that I can be thrown off. Something I hear on the news, somebody, you know, some TV show, something just throws me into a, uh, uh, I can feel the, the tense part of my body at that point. Do you, and, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. So I'm going to turn it over to you. Maybe you can mm-hmm. guide me to the next uh, level of this conversation. Yeah, what I loved about your response, because I asked, how do we stabilize this? And what I love is that you're pointing out the and both of this automatic phase transition that you talked about, like evolution is happening and creation is creating through us and it's happening and both we get to practice our presencing. We get to participate in this evolution and, and begin to stabilize this pure awareness, this consciousness. So I love the and both about what you're talking about. I I think that that in itself, um, if we say nothing else in the show, that's so rewarding to hear because so often we, we hear evolutionary thinkers who are doing one or the other. And I notice that when we go into the participation part of the, the presencing and we feel like it's all our responsibility and we got to wake up humanity there's so much fear and constriction that comes in just from the idea of that and yet then we have others who are who are talking about this automatic phase transition which then really kind of like allows this openness for people not to practice and not to come into their participation and their responsibility in this process so Thank you. There's so much wisdom there in the and both of how to stabilize this. Yeah, I, I had one of my spiritual teachers said something that uh, I love. So uh, we were talking about the, the first part, which is evolution at play. The seasons are changing. We're, we're going, let's say, from the winter of humanity's existence to the springtime of humanity's existence. And there's different... Uh, qualities of the seasons, and there will be different qualities of of humanity for sure. It must happen because 
there's will will be such a, a radical shift of energy everywhere. And so so one of my teachers said, Well, look it, it's destined. This awakening, the blossoming of humanity is destined. So it's like the sun coming up after a long, dark night. And he said, those of us who were fortunate enough to have been born in the darkness, born during the dark night, are fortunate because we get to participate in the dawn. We get to become participants, literal participants in this dawning, blossoming humanity. And how are we participating? Really, we, we will we will be inspired to participate from our own level of, you could say, our deep soul's purpose gets into the purpose of our individuality. But then he said, no, here's the part I want to, so he said, but, you know, you can also choose to just go back to sleep and wait for the full sunshine to, to come up. And then somebody wakes you up and boom, it's sunshine. And he said, wouldn't you like to be awake at the dawn and help the, uh, the process? Because it will be a joyful transition and our participation will bring us great, great, great rewards as opposed to staying in bed and, and allowing everyone else to do it. And then coming out and kind of like, oh, wow, it is sunshine. There is a lot less suffering. And here I am. So it, 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 uh, the, the point is the sun's going to come up. The sun will come up. Mm -hmm. The dark night will respond accordingly. The darkness reveals all kinds of things. And, you know, the, the analogy can continue on in, in a fun way. But the opportunity, I'm, I'm even going to press it a little bit more. I think the obligation we have as conscious human beings, as awareness in motion, is to participate as we are on this show right now and in our lives. That will wash away uh, most of the hidden traumas that we all carry and most of the emotional um the, the, it's like uh children crying that are alone and these energies will be uh recognized as this simple practice of awareness increases more and more because those those parts of ourselves the traumas grief the um the, the horror even, um, all they need is love. And, and I know that sounds like a cliche, but all they're waiting, all they're um, preparing themselves for and calling out for is for recognition from this presence we spoke about, from the awareness of our own hearts and our own reality. And as soon as that sheds them with that unconditional love they become free very quickly they what am i talking about again i'm talking about our own inner pains the the things that we we are afraid of and it, it'll be a transition it's not going to be as quick as i just mentioned but in some in many cases it is that quick 
in my case, it was that quick. And then, and then I went back to sleep for a while and that was just my, my destiny and, and woke up in different points of view to, to, uh, thoroughly investigate this consciousness, this awareness that your show's based on. Yeah. I, I'm like, I'm wanting to talk about your experience. I'm wanting to talk about mass consciousness. I want to follow this thread here. I think what I'm going to do here is take a break. And when we come back, I really want to hear about your experiences of your wake up because it's very unique and um, very powerful to hear about that. But I also, you have an interesting way of looking at mass consciousness and how we we our thoughts can resonate there versus um, not coming into that field and and how do we do that because that is really helpful too when we're looking at at this practice for us as as awakening beings here on the planet so we're going to take a quick break and when we come back so much more with our guest robert williams we'll return in just a moment channel is interruption free listen now with the empower radio app free in the app store or listen online at empower.fm soothe your soul calm your mind the empower meditation channel peekaboo peekaboo smile smile buddy come on smile oh honey he's still not smiling maybe he's not a smiler (sighs) yeah maybe he's just not a happy baby maybe he's just being a boy You know how boys are. Or maybe he's teething. Oh, poor baby. I think his gums hurt. Maybe he's just tired. Or maybe his tummy hurts. He didn't eat that much. Maybe he's not ticklish. You think maybe he's scared of the dog? Maybe he'll outgrow it. Maybe it's a phase. Maybe he just doesn't like smiling. Maybe he has autism. And we can definitely do something to help. Maybe is all you need to find out more about autism. No big, joyful smiles by six months is one early sign. Learn the others at AutismSpeaks.org slash signs or see a doctor today for an autism screening. The sooner it's diagnosed, the better. And it can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. My dad came to live with us last month and, you know, it's going pretty well. I feel like I never have time for myself. With him being around more, it really lets us catch up on things. Memory isn't what it used to be. We get up and we have coffee. He usually wakes up at 4.30. Then we go for a walk. He needs lots of my attention. I do need to keep an eye on his medications, though. That's important. Sometimes I feel like a pharmacist. I'd say John and the kids are adjusting pretty well. I honestly have no idea what I'm going through. It can be a little challenging. Help. But so far, so good. I could really use just a little help. For those dealing with the daily struggles of caring for a loved one, we hear you. That's why AARP created a community with experts and other caregivers for advice, tips, and support. Together, let's help each other better care for ourselves and the ones we love. 
Visit aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. This message is for all of you sitting in the passenger seat. And apologies if it gets a little uncomfortable. But how does it feel to be at the mercy of someone who thinks a random text is more important than your life? Someone who takes their eyes off the road while speeding along in a three-ton hunk of steel. Freaky, right? Well, why not just ask them to stop? Or better yet, volunteer to text for them. It might be a little awkward, but believe me, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Empowering you for a better life. This is Empower Radio. Now, back to the Dr. Julie Show. All things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back. Hey, if you're inspired by our conversation today, I invite you to share it with others and maybe even listen to it again. You can do that by visiting my website at thedrjulieshow.com where you'll find all the archive links as well as a listing of upcoming guests. Again, that's thedrjulieshow.com. Also stay connected on our Facebook page, All Things Connected with Dr. Julie, where we continue the conversation I always love to hear from you. Sign up for my mailing list. Give me your feedback. Um, your your participation is so helpful to me in so many ways. I'm here today with the author of Love is the Power, Robert Williams. You can find out more about Robert at HealTheWorldProject.com. Again, that is HealTheWorldProject.com. And Robert, I mentioned your story is really fascinating before the break but before we go there let's keep our listeners in suspense for a moment because I want to follow up on that mass consciousness we were kind of talking about that and and here we are um, so many of our listeners probably all of our listeners are invested in healing the world and and participating in this consciously and you talk about mass consciousness you have this really interesting diagram in the book and it I think it's so interesting. Will you explain that to our listeners? Sure. And I this this was something that I saw when I had my near-death experience. When I was coming back into my body, there was a I, – I, I traveled, you could say, through the different dimensions and domains. But one of the, one of the most fascinating um, phenomenon is – this blanket of beliefs and thoughts that uh, are around uh, every everybody that's on this planet, all human beings, all animals. So the best way to describe this. So let let's say that um, we're in the presence. We are free in this moment because maybe we're in a meditation course, or maybe we're out swimming with the dolphins so you know there's different ways we can find this presence much more quickly and then and then uh, let's say we're uh, then entering a building where there's a lot of noise there's jackhammers there's you know, leaf blowers and there's all kinds of things happening now since we don't naturally resonate with that we do go into this kind of tense reaction and uh, we have to contend with that. We have to, if, if we're not able to go back into that place of silence, literal, the environmental condition of silence and peacefulness, nature, then we, we have to contend with that, uh, with the noise. The noise is always there in 
in the, the first or second layer of our subtle bodies. I don't want to get technical, but this is the influence that we are participant with as mass consciousness. So if everyone is thinking similarly, that is a certain influence that we are confronted with. Now, we can just step back a second. What's going on on the, what's going on on the planet? What's the general um, reality? What is the belief of humans at large? That is the mass consciousness. That is the, the cloud, the blanket. And I'm not saying it's all negative. It just is. Now, that, if, if we have a new thought, let's say, it will be, if it's not in resonance with the collective mass consciousness, it'll be uh, interfered with. It'll be confronted. It'll be uh, disturbed. So, uh, so we, we have a thought, an insight, an inspiration, a, an epiphany, and then it's challenged because it doesn't resonate with the mass consciousness. So how do we feel? Uh, how, there's two ways to do it. Is to, to, for that thought to have its seat in, in our own whole realized heart at that moment. We have to then run away from mass consciousness, go up to the Himalayas, go into a cave, or go away, right? And then uh, the mass consciousness is a little bit less. It's not so close to our physical five senses. And there's another thing we can do is, is recognize that that is really not us. That interference is noise, and it's difficult at this time. So we... We, uh, we, we don't try to talk our way out of that noise or it's back to the same principle of love. If we can just say, okay, for the next whatever, I'm in this noisy place and there's jackhammers and whatever. And, and at first I'm going to react and try to get away and, and get, a, you know, get annoyed because it's not natural sounds and I don't like it. Once we... I just recognize more and more. Eckhart totally calls it the calls it the pain body. It's just there, and it and it will confront us continually. We identify it, we recognize it, and then we become more and more free within the within the midst. So uh, another beautiful opportunity for all humans right now, and it has to do with. You could say the back to the change of seasons is that we can actually establish a direct relationship with our divine self, with our uh, infinite, and not only the infinite but the the core of our soul's heart. We can establish a direct relationship, and it actually bypasses or is so powerful that it it. It goes right through the beliefs of fear and the mass conscious projections of of uh, war and and uh, you know just the cultural things that are out of whack. That is available to all of us with practice. Back to our general theme, and it, and it can then couple 
with others that have that connection and couple with others and others. And it only takes a small percentage of that, of that coupling, those folks that are living that presence. And it's not that we have to become an enlightened master. We just live the presence from moment to moment. And then this is what will happen. The noise then, whoever, all the, the thinking minds that are making the noise in our subconscious, in our unconscious, in our, in our psyches, the psychic phenomenon of humanity, they, they start to realize something that they haven't realized before. And it's like uh, uh, there's the new dawn or there's the, you know, the, you know, like the E.T. in the sky or something that people it is so unusual. I'm not saying that literally doesn't maybe maybe not. But I'm saying there will be an energy that will be so profoundly pure and pro- profoundly um, in contrast to the fear that it will, it will take people back. It will take mass consciousness back and they'll start to, uh, they'll, they'll shut down the, the noise making machines because it'll be a spectacular dawning. Uh, and, and this can happen suddenly. And this is the, the, the beautiful opportunity for that present connection and its influence on mass consciousness. Mm. Beautiful. I just want to really pause in there and just what you had originally said is such an important piece that you just totally backed up and supported for us here. But that when, when we have a new original thought, when maybe we also have a different awareness and, and this new is coming in, that there will be interference and disturbance and challenge and confrontation from mass conference mass consciousness because it's different than so i i love that idea as visionary leaders and change makers coming together just really understanding that process that new thought down sometimes but what you're also prescribing is connecting with that higher self connecting with the divinity and that higher consciousness and then we resonate with others who are sharing that same space and and it's a, it's a beautiful um, picture and prescription for us as, as we're moving forward on the planet, because we all know there's a lot of noise right now. There's just a lot, a lot of noise. So thank you for that, Robert. That's a beautiful, a beautiful description and understanding of what's going on with the consciousness. And I mentioned, and I want to give you an opportunity before the break, that you've had a very unique lifetime experience and and i love this is not only have you had a near-death experience you've had a whole journey of out-of-body experiences different states of consciousness things are going on on a lot of i don't even want to um, put words into your experience for you but it has been fascinating to follow that through the words on your page it, it was really a fun thing for me to go oh yeah i want to talk to him about this experience i want to talk to him about that experience and and compare notes but why don't you share with our listeners because it was more than just you had a near-death experience and woke up you said i went back to sleep but you've had a whole series of experiences that have brought you to this moment we share a little bit more with our listeners 
Sure. Ap- after the the near death experience, um, I. I, I left the entertainment in industry, so I'm not, you know, so hopefully people uh, will have time to to read the book because there are some fascinating things in there. And I say that in spite of myself, not because of myself. You know? <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, one of the one of the interesting and, and by the way, in the book, there were moments where I knew it wasn't me as an individual writing the book. I wasn't a trans channel or out of body or anything like that, but the, the, uh, allowance of the collective voice was my goal in writing the book. And many times writing the book, it came through in such a powerful way that I had to italicize it and speak as a collective or speak as the, the heart of this whole awakening process. And, uh, and not about Robert Williams, and so there's the the two kinds of print in in the book. Yeah. The um, the near death experience. So I saw all kinds of things. Um, when I left the entertainment business, I was playing sax for the Beach Boys and uh, you know Hollywood life and all that. When I left, um, uh, I I really uh, had no longer um, any resistance to dying. And I think that set me up because as I began to explore consciousness, um, I realized that uh, there is a porthole, there is a porthole or doorways into higher consciousness that is generally blocked by any kind of fear, including the fear of death. I approached the subject very carefully. Life is a tremendous gift. Human life in our bodies now is a tremendously glorious, miraculous gift. I in no way uh, am discounting this golden uh, opportunity of enlightenment in our bodies here and now, or and, and shortly in our future. At the same time, just where I was in 1979, 1980, I was not afraid to die at any moment. I just had that relationship with you could say the other side. So what I learned was those things that uh, were were um, keeping that were were keeping me in this kind of contracted state, even though I had seen the other side, were deep, deep, deep fears. And I would sit in meditation and just okay, what you know, I would find that freedom. I would find the freedom. I would be the freedom. I would be the light. There was no problem. There was light. Yet, I knew there was an incompleteness as that light in that moment. I would literally search for that resistance or that incompleteness and go in there with with love so it could be for instance my uh deep issue with something that happened to me when i was seven or eight years old and i became very afraid so i would go right there and in my earnest desire to reconcile this event and all events that that 
added on to my identity. I uh, uh, something would happen, and I would my breath would change, and I would kind of go into this mini battle because what I wanted to, what I was more comfortable with, is in that light, that freedom, and yet this this contrast was still there in my awareness. After a while, I began to back to mass consciousness. It wasn't only this thing that happened when I was seven years old or some past trauma. It was, it was the trauma body of the planet. And, and I offered myself to, to have the divine use whatever consciousness I was able to extend into that trauma body, into the, into the, the, the veils of trauma that was affecting humans. And as I began to breathe into that more and more, um, I would approach a place where I could barely stay awake. I could barely stay conscious. And then indeed, as I continued my offering, my surrender, my surrender, my surrender, then I went into an unconscious state and then woke up in these higher planes, looking down, you could say, uh, which is not really the way it works. You're not looking anywhere, you know, there's no up and down, but that's the only way I can describe it. And then I was able to work with uh, the higher parts of ourselves, the less, the, the parts that were less, uh, either less uh, affected and influenced by these thought forms or completely free of them. And we all, this, this is just our high self, you could say. This is our more whole uh, realities, our more whole truth. So the I, Robert, again, was, was a, in a limited state, and the higher state of myself was able to bring back information. And in these journeys, which, which I would do almost daily uh, for a couple years, um, brought back all kinds of information i want you to brought back see it's a tricky one too so what it what it does is mm. it it is there already this information is here already and we just uh become more conscious and we see things we were not able to see in our previous states of consciousness that's a better way to describe it so that's where this this journal of information came from in those with via those kinds of journeys. So, so Robert, in your um, life today, um, how would you how would you describe this journey to someone who may may ask? Well, I, I think we're all getting this this collective consciousness, this unified field where I shouldn't say we're all getting this because that's so not true. <laughs> Pardon me with, as, as we chuckle together on that one, but, but with, with those that are on this journey with us right now and understanding consciousness, um, are you continuing this process now and how does that evolve from your meditation practice to what you're doing when you're when you're working with this consciousness so we know there is suffering right now somewhere it could be somewhere in our own bodies it could be in our families but we know if 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 
thank God our own bodies and families are safe and there's not that much suffering. We know that there's intense suffering somewhere on the planet as we speak in every moment. Mm. So um, we, we cannot feel completeness. We cannot realize the completeness of our potential uh, if they're suffering. So this becomes a, I don't want to paint the picture of like the martyr where we have to suffer to help. It, but you can put it in this context there, you know, um, uh, my daughter is 12 years old. She still needs me. You know, she, I can't just let her fly away into the, into the world on her own. She's 12. Yeah. And so my responsibility is, uh, gloriously and wonderfully, uh, including as a father, including her and what I can do to help her and teach her and, and learn from her and so forth. So even if we don't have children, there is a sense of belonging and a sense of community that um, is calling out for help. And so the, the big contrasts are here. So uh, I used to live down by the, by the fires and I've had friends down in, uh, sorry, um, Marin County and Sonoma and, you know, we've, we've heard, we've seen the devastation. And uh, if I can help, I will help. And, and uh, once that uh, helpingness is complete to that moment, then I can help in other ways. And then uh, eventually it resolves to a point where I've done all I can do as, a, as one physical human being. Then we come back to this idea that we are one and that as we accept with love whatever is happening this moment between my mind and my heart you could say or my body and my heart then that actually has tremendous power throughout all of humanity and the earth included so that i hope that answers your question it's a it's an ongoing process and uh and the more, oh, I wanted to add in here, community, speaking with people who understand that magnifies the power of an individual heart so much, mm. so much. You get two or three that are just having an understanding of this awareness and the uh, connectivity of all things. Just that awareness alone, just the understanding sends out this light. Just that alone sends out and helps you know, so I'm a clairvoyant as well. And just a bunch of people getting together and dancing or singing or storytelling from their hearts has a tremendous effect all over the globe, all over the globe. Mm -hmm. We don't have to go one by one. We don't have to try to educate everyone on the planet or try to, you know, change all the systems that are not working. Just this communion with self and others in that vibration has a it is the most powerful thing we can do right now, in addition to helping physically and in other ways. Beautiful. So that brings us full circle into the title of your book is Love is the Power. And what you're talking about, I, I 
I love what you're talking about of coming together in community where two or more are gathered. You speak yeah. about that in the book and, and I can't agree more creating this resonant field and meeting ourselves there, meeting ourselves in the power of this heart space and this love that we're talking about, also meeting others there, meeting our suffering there, meeting just really coming from that leading with that that love and that power in all of our thought, words, and deeds. I, I love that. Mm. Robert, this has been really um interesting for me to to read your book and to experience you through the essence of your words on the page thank you for writing this and offering this to the world it's 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 a fascinating read and we just have three minutes left here more like two minutes and i want to know if there's anything more that you would like to say that you didn't have an opportunity to say when Two minutes or less isn't a very nice invitation. It's kind of <laughs> it's kind of mean. But in two minutes or less, is there anything more that you really want to make sure that we we talk about here and share with our listeners? First of all, it's impossible for you to be mean. So even with two, <laughs> you're, you know what I what I'd like to say is that um, let us remember as well, along with our awareness, that gratitude is is pretty much the, uh, the, the conduit of our love. And as we consciously are grateful for, it doesn't really matter what we're grateful for. There's so many things, you know, but our own ability to communicate like this, our own ability to breathe, uh, together and to, uh, witness this dawning, witness the light coming up. It is a horrible time as well. There's suffering, there's terror, and there's all kinds of things we can get depressed about. Let us be alert for these rays of sunlight that are coming up. The people that are helping others unconditionally without asking anything in return. Um, the, the joys that being out in nature with our children, anything like that, as we consciously then choose gratitude, that's another way to really extend and amplify our love. Mm. Thank you for that. Uh, you know, just gratitude and that vibrational frequency. I loved how you said it's like the conduit. And and so here we have this powerful prescription and we know that the the unified field of consciousness responds to our gratitude. So thank you so much for, for bringing that through here in this, the end of the show and everything that you shared with us today. I've really enjoyed having you here, Robert. Thank you so much. Dr. Julie, it's been my privilege. You have a very beautiful and powerful community, all your listeners. I'm grateful for you and your community. You're doing really fantastic work. Anything else I can do to help you and your community, let me know. I'm all there. Mm. Well, thank you. I want to share again, we're we're here with Robert Williams. So listening to Robert Williams, you can find out so much more on HealTheWorldProject.com. You can find the book there. You can find an app and other resources. Um, go check that out, HealTheWorldProject.com. The awakening of Earth itself to a condition of love instead of fear is part of the grand design of things. Our awakening hearts are our greater wholeness and our greater aliveness. Thank you so much for joining us here today and tuning in. And remember, together, we're creating connections for the good of the whole. Until next time, 
I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.